Hey, Gilbert, you like making great money, right? No, not me. I do it for the art. <laughs> and the love. Yes, yes. Pure love. The love of performing. <laughs> well, here's a really cool opportunity that I want to share with you today, and that's driving with Uber. Now, you know Uber. I know you and Dara use it a lot. Uh, yeah, that's where you get on the phone. and uh, You hit the app? Yeah, it tells you, like, we'll be there in, like, you know, five minutes or three and a half minutes. Right. And you see exactly on a map where the car is. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You can actually follow the process. They have wonderful stories to tell. I've heard two people actually told me they know about the podcast. What do you think see? about that? That's that's it. Well, I'm ex- well that's, that means it's a raving success <laughs> that you found two people two Uber drivers. who know about the podcast. Well, and listen, yeah. they had something to say more yeah. than the usual, how's the weather? In, in uh, another year, it might go up to three. <laughs> if we're lucky. Uh, yeah. I heard, you know, you could be your own boss. That's true. They And so people love being their own boss. And... and Oh, oh, you earn great money. Yeah, which is unimportant to a person like you. Yeah, I don't care. I just do it all for uh, sentimental reasons. Correct. And, Love and passion. Yes. It's, it's oh, and, and all you need to start is a car and a license. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a car and I've got a license. Yeah, okay, so we'd have to drive <laughs> together. <laughs> if the podcast yeah, doesn't yeah. work out, that's where we're headed. What do you mean, if it doesn't work <laughs> out? <laughs> also, parents, and you, Gil, you're a parent, this yes. is an easy way to work around your family schedule, and also students can make some extra money between classes. Yeah, it's totally flexible. Now's the prime time to cash in. Driving with Uber. You'll thank me for telling you how to get paid every week, but... When you thank me, I'll say, uh, I really am not interested in talking to you, so I don't even need your thanks. I, <laughs> You're so antisocial. Yes. Even I could be getting in your car when you drive with Uber. Translation, no tip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Settle for the conversation. Yes, you've got a car and a license. Put them both to work for you and start earning serious, life-changing money today. Sign up to Drive with Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. Tired of not knowing what's happening when you're not around, get the Foscam C1, an HD 720p indoor Wi Fi security camera. With Foscam C1, you can view the video stream on your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through their free available on Google Play Store and iTunes App Store. Well, you can't, of course, but people who understand technology could do those things. Yeah, see, if it was with a crayon on a piece of paper, <laughs> I'd be able to. This yeah. camera, this Foscam security camera is wonderful. Check out these features, folks. You've got a small and vers- They're small and versatile with a super wide viewing angle. That's like my- I am. I'm small and versatile. You are small and yes. versatile. <laughs> 
This is the perfect read for you. HD 720p video feed resolution, up to 26 feet of night vision. Motion detection alerts are sent right to your phone via text or email. You've got an optional cloud service gill for secure storage of your recordings off-site. Two-way audio and a 60-second setup. Very simple to set up. This is like something from one of those spy movies. Well, you know, you're a celebrity. You need protection. Yeah, especially after you've seen my act. Yeah. <laughs> the Foss. Yeah. <laughs> True. The Foss Cam C1 security camera is only $69.99, and you can get $10 off per camera. What a deal. With the code GILCAST1. That's G-I-L-C-A-S-T-1. Your purchase will also get you a lifetime support and a 30-day money-back guarantee and a one-year warranty on every purchase. Your two favorite words in the English language, (laughs) money-back. So go to www.foscam.us slash C1 and you'll be linked to the Amazon page, the C1 Amazon page, where you can use the code GILCAST, G-I-L-C-A-S-T-1, to get $10 off each C1 that you purchase. That's Foscam. F-O-S-C-A-M dot U-S slash the letter C and the number one. Foscam. Watch what you love anywhere. Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a prolific and versatile actor who's been in dozens of films, including Jesus Christ Superstar, Harry Antonto, Sophie's Choice, The Money Pit, Star 80, Big Daddy, Radio Days, and City Slickers. He's worked with everyone from Art Carney to Tom Hanks and has been directed by the likes of Woody Allen, Bob Fosse, Paul Mazursky, and Oliver Stone. He also happens to be the son of one of the great comedic actors of his generation, the legendary Zero Mostel. Please welcome a man who's played everyone from Herod the Great to Bluto Blotarsky's brother. Our pal, Josh Mustel. Yay! <laughs> we're going to pipe in applause there. Oh, yes. Yes. We could put it in. Mustel, woo-woo. Yeah, so, my, my so, first question. Yes, my has, first answer. Yes. Oh, this is exciting. Has, has anybody in your entire life ever said to you, funny, you don't look Jewish? <laughs> Gee. <laughs> well, that's a... Um, you know, I don't think that's happened. And strangely enough, I'm not Jewish. I'm not. I You're mean, not? This is do I have so to leave or something? I well, mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We oh, only okay. have Jews. Oh, on the show. Well, yeah, well, it is a show business. Now, so, because your father, yeah, Zero he was he, he was Jewish. He, he was he was, a, he was Tevye, for God's but sake. But he married a, a woman, uh, an Irish Catholic, originally. Yeah. She claimed Judaism. She announced she was Jewish, but I think it's a little more formal than that. You don't just get to claim Judaism. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I always thought of myself as Jewish, but when I was doing Superstar, I was in a, I was a really obnoxious uh, guy who was one of the apostles who's, who was uh, an Israeli, and uh, his roommate told me that uh, 
if they had a six o'clock call, he would set the alarm for four and then keep hitting snooze 12 times because he wanted to wake up every 10 minutes. You know, some, he was just a really obnoxious. And I was mouthing all about saying, he says, tell me, are you Jewish, Mustel? And I said, well, I'm half Jewish. He says, half Jewish? No, no. Is, is your mother Jewish? I said, well, my father was Jewish, my mother was Jewish. You're not Jewish! <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, if that's the way we're going to be about it, I... But my mother, my mother, you know, she would have been Jewish if you know your if mom, you could just sign something. Your mom was a chorus girl. Do we have that? She right? was seventh from the left on uh, the Rockettes. Uh huh. She was all legs, and I have. You want you you want show business stories, right? Oh yes. Okay, we'll I, take them if you got them. When she died, uh, my 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 brother looked in her uh, um, pocketbook, and there was an envelope from the Players Club club, and it said. Katie, you louse! You left me alone with Wally Cox. Underline three, <laughs> le, underline three times. But you were funny, 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 and your crotch is the supplest. X X X X Marlin. Wow! Oh my God! That's enough. Should I go now? Wow! That's the best story you yeah, Marlon. That my top. Yeah. That wow. my. And they loved Marlon. My parents. They they worshipped Marlon. He was one of the few people they would you know turn on the TV for and stuff like that. Marlon Brando and my mom, and I always said I was his son, and Zero was just like you know the nameplate. <laughs> I don't know. We could do a DNA thing. Uh, uh, Stella. <laughs> Whatever. Something. Now, sir. As is always the case yes. with my guests, I have to tell them to shut up before we start recording because they have the greatest stories. Oh. And you told me a story about a Groucho Marx. Oh, yeah, Groucho. <laughs> um, in college, my best friend was Scott Johnson. And his father was Nunnally Johnson, who was one of the first, you know, triple threat guys. Great screenwriter, director. Writer, director, producer. And um, he and Groucho were great friends. And uh, Scott got married and um, invited me to the wedding. And I drove cross country to this wedding. And I was a hippie. I had had hair and a beard. And I probably smelled bad, but you get used to (laughs) it. And, you know, a dress terrible. Anyway, I walk into this mansion in Beverly Hills and... uh, you know, all dirty and everything. And there's there's Groucho with Nunnally. And Groucho looks up and sees me and says to Nunnally, Is that the bride? <laughs> I hope that's not the bride. Anyway, but uh, I, I, I wasn't the bride, and those rumors are false. Okay. What about rumors about Brando and Wally Cox? There were, you know there were rumors for years, now that you brought yeah, them well, up. I'll, I'll tell you what I heard. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. He loved Wally Cox. Yeah. He thought Wally Cox was the funniest man. And I think Wally perhaps had more testosterone than, than, than Brando because Wally – well, I, I didn't know Wally Cox. But he was, a, 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 you know, a little self-assured – I mean, he wasn't the character he played. Mr. But he Peepers. Was a funny guy. Yeah. Mr. Peepers, yeah. yeah. Mr. Peepers, but, uh, but with an edge. And, and, and Frank and I were talking that we have something sort of in common – of having to try to follow in the footsteps of the original Saturday Night Live, in that I had, I was in the uh, cast right after the original cast left, and oh. so and you uh, were in Delta House. 
Yes. Where you had to uh, fill in for uh, John Belushi. Yes. Which was an impossible job to do. And when yes, and I and I did it impossibly. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I did it. I mean, you know, they paid me. It wasn't a hit. No, it was like yeah, because yeah. it was the TV version of Animal House. Yes. And what's funny about that is that that great bad TV writing in that they said you they wrote you as the younger brother of John Belushi's character <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And then later on. You would be in City Slickers 2 meeting the totally unknown, untalked about uh, twin brother of Jack Palencia. <laughs> yeah, Curly's <character>. brother. <laughs> right. Right. I got, I got some Jack Palance stories. Oh, absolutely. They, they're, they're, they're a little dirty. Oh, <laughs> We'll be back after yeah. this moment. No. Uh, oh, so, please. So he, he's a weird guy, but he's a wonderful actor. And we were sitting on City Slickers 1, and, and somebody mentioned Marlon Brando. I'm uh, not Marlon Brando. Where's my head? Uh, Marilyn Monroe. And uh, he said, oh, I used to know Marilyn. I said, did you ever fuck her? Yeah. You know, and he went, I remember once I was in L.A., and it was teeming with rain. Rain was pouring down. At about three at night, the phone rang. So I knew it, who it must be. And I picked up the phone and said, hello, Marilyn. And she said, oh, Jack. Jack, have you seen it outside? It's so wonderful. I said, I noticed it's raining. She goes, come on over, Jack. We'll go for a drive. Come on over. So I got in my car and I... When I went over to Marilyn's place and she came out and she was wearing this tiny white dress. And she jumped in the car and we started driving up around where the Hollywood sign is. And there was a big puddle. We were all alone. She said, Jack, Jack, stop here. And I stopped and she jumped out of the car and ran into this puddle in front of the headlights of the car twirling around with the rain pouring down on her in that little white dress. Uh, that's the whole story. It's a, it's a shaggy, shaggy dog story, but it... Uh, the, the, there's one more. Uh, oh, I love the I, non-payoff. I have a, of, of, uh, of Jack Palance. Um, I had always heard that Jack and my father had gotten to a fist fight. Oh, right. they were in panic in the streets. They were in together. panic in the streets. Well, right. You're up on your stuff. Well, I you, do Frank? my best. Yeah. Aside from well, the peyote reference, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spent too much time watching movies instead I, of creating absolutely, your own buddy. In your mind. Absolutely. Anyway, um, so uh, um, I, I, I said to Jack, "So I, I always heard that the you and Zero got into a fist fight," and Jack said, "What? Who told you that?" I said, "No, I, I just heard it from a bunch of people." He said, "No, no." I loved your dad. I, I loved him. I, I remember we were we were on the set and and I had this uh, uh, prop gun in my hand. You know, it wasn't loaded, and and I was twirling it around. And Zero comes over and says, "Hey, Jack, hey, you want me to give you a target?" And, and I said, "Sure." And he he drops his pants <laughs> and he he puts that big beautiful pink ass. <laughs> Right in front of me. So just kidding around, I, I, I shot him with this empty prop gun, but the damn thing was loaded. 
And Zero starts screaming, you shot me in the ass. You shot me in the ass. Oh, yeah, I, I loved your old man. That's the other shaggy dog story from Jack Palance. <laughs> Great stuff. But back to Delta House just for a second, and then, we'll, and then we'll move on past it. How, yeah, how did they approach Gilbert and I were talking about it before you got here. How, how did they approach you about this? Is the, the, you, did, did you immediately say, how the hell am I going to follow this? Of course not. I said, yeah. when do I show up and right. how much am I getting paid? Yeah, right. No, I auditioned. I, I knew I was going to get the part because they had me read the Belushi part. They mm-hmm. wanted Belushi. Yeah. You know? Right, and, sure. And everybody looked like Belushi except me. You know, I, I just dressed the way I normally do, which is sub-Belushi. And um, it, 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 this audition, it's the thing where he says, follow me, and he runs out and nobody follows him. You know, he gives a big speech. And I gave the big speech, and I was really good. And I gave the big speech, and I ran out the, of the room, and I slammed the door behind me. And then I heard the producer going, come back, come back. And then I knew I had the part. Nice. Yeah. There were three series that, that, that season, know, three, three frat house shows based it, on Animal House. It's the damn wife of the producer. That's the fault. Who's the fault? is Because she, she told uh, Maddie Simons. Maddie Simmons, yeah. Simmons. Yeah, one of the founders. She of told Maddie, she says, oh, we can't, you, you can't use Delta, you know, you can't use Animal House name because what if we make a sequel? It'll d- take back away from the sequel. He goes, oh, well, I married you. I might as well listen to you or something. And uh, they, they called it Delta House. And... Yeah, you know, there were three series. We were the one that had all the actors. Yeah, you had Stephen First and John Vernon and, yeah, yeah. and Bruce Those McGill, guys. D-Day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, you had the best chance of the three. We had the best <laughs> chance. But, uh, and no, it didn't work. And uh, we're still waiting for the sequel. But I thought they should have called us Animal House because, I don't know. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. They didn't yeah, call. Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't call the yacht couple by a different name when they yeah, the series. Yeah, the, the strange ones. Yeah, you know, or the uh, the the uh, misaligned couple. Uh, you know, just so. I, I anyway. think I think Walter Matthau one time said that some woman came up to him in uh, in the street and said. And she said to me, I love you in that movie, The Queer Couple. <laughs> now, uh, can, can we talk a little, of course, about your father? Of course, great, why not? The great Zero Mostel. The great Zero Mostel. Shot in the ass, but other than that, he had a wonderful <laughs> life. It reminds me of the gag in Blazing yeah. Saddles. <laughs> he says, the little bastard shot me in the ass. Now, we we were talking about your your father was blacklisted. Oh boy! Yeah, he used to say, "I'm a man of a thousand faces, all of them blacklisted." Uh, yeah, but I've heard you say he wasn't a communist. Well, uh, you know, I've said a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> no, I you know he never admitted to being communist right, to me. Right, but he, I, I, you know, he might not have been officially because. He was broke. He probably didn't have enough money to pay the dues. Um, the, they always said that you could tell who the FBI guys were because they paid their dues. Right. And none of the commun- uh, communists won't pay dues. Come on. But I, I don't know if he was officially in the party, but he, he, he backed a lot of left-wing causes. I mean, he was not, uh, he was not a, a right-winger. Sure. My dad. And did he talk about 
uh, what it was like when it was just everyone turned their backs on him? Well, not everyone. You couldn't work. I mean, yeah. you know, you couldn't do TV. You could do Broadway. You could do your, your stand-up act. He did a lot of stand-up yeah. at, at Laurel and the Pines and, you know, the Catskills. But um, the people that never turned their back on you were the fellow blacklisties. They, uh, they were all, that's all they had was the fact that they weren't informers. I remember um, Clifford Odets, informer. Mm-hmm. There should be a chorus yep. of people. Yeah. Whenever you mention you know, Jerry Robbins, <laughs> informer. <laughs> right. um, anyway, Clifford Odets was an informer and, and was, was friends with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, my father and, and, and that whole set. And uh, when he informed, like, everyone chunned him or tried to. I mean, of course, he worked. Um, and then Zero was doing a funny thing, and Sam Jaffe, who was my godfather, uh, Gunga Din. Oh, we just uh, talked about yeah, him on the show last week with Ed Asner. And, and yeah, Dr. Zorba. Dr. Zorba, yes. sure. Yeah. Oh, he was sure. also a gem of a person. But anyway, uh, Clifford Odets came backstage to say hi to my father when Zero was in a funny thing. And uh, Sam was in the dressing room, and when Clifford Odets walked in... Sam got up and walked to the corner of the room and put his nose in the corner of the room and wouldn't turn around until Clifford Odets left. My father said hi, but see, those blacklisted actors, all, all, uh, Sam wasn't blacklisted, but he was, you know, friends of all of them. Um, all they had was their belief that they did the right thing and the others did not do the right thing. And uh, it's funny. I, I'll tell you another. This, this is... This is one of the great stories of all time, as long as we're on this blacklisting uh, topic. Um, Ilya Kazan, informer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ilya Kazan, also known as Gadge, was a good friend of my father's. In fact, he directed Panic in the Streets. Right, that's right. With Jack Palance. That's right. Zero. And um, let's see. Uh, um, in his book, he talks about being an informer. He says, you know, I didn't like those people. They were all didactic, and I, I don't care that they didn't like me. The one exception was Zero Mostel, who was a very nice guy and very funny. And I kind of, you know, anyway, he says, I was walking down the street about six months after my testimony, and I hear a bellow from across the street, Gadge, and it's Zero. And I, I run, uh, he runs over across the street and, and hugs me. A little too hard, and then we go uh, and we have coffee. And I remember, and he writes in his book. I remember looking at his face and seeing a certain sadness there. And he sort of implies that he felt a little bad, Gadge. Right. Years later, uh, um, Burt Reynolds, I think it was, who was a friend of Gadge's, told me that when Zero hugged him, he broke two of his ribs. <laughs> wow, funny stuff! Huh? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I I remember someone asked Paul Newman yes. about um, Ilya Kazan, right? And Paul Newman's answer was it, it was interesting. He said, "It's very easy now to say what you would have done back yes, then." Yes, of course, it's true. You know, the Pajama Game had a, a revival that was very good with uh, Harry Connick in it. And all of a sudden, there was a character in it who was uh, who they were making fun of for being a very anti-communist. You know, uh, you know, a real. Yeah. And, and I thought, you're a little late. You know, yes. This is, oh, it's not. It's very. It's very easy in retrospect to be 
you know. Well, we should point out that your dad out. testified famously. Yes. He came and he, but but he didn't inform. He no, he, he, he did he, not he, name names, and he made fun of them a little bit. Yeah, he confronted them. Which, which yeah, a little bit. They cut, they cut, at one point, uh, a senator called him. Uh, I think he testified before the House and the Senate, but I'm not exactly sure. But he said that a senator said something, and, and Zero said that he was a putz. And the senator said, "What was that?" And I said, "I called you a putz." He said, "What does that mean?" He said, "My father said it's a Yiddish term of endearment." <laughs> Funny. <laughs> So, and that was all stricken from the record. So unless you're listening to this, you'll have no no clue that such things. Happen. Gilbert and I were talking before, and didn't he say that that if I inf- I can't be an informer because if I inform, I can't be buried on sacred ground? Did he I say- don't believe so? No, I, you, I don't did he not know. say Maybe. that? Maybe. I said you know I could tell you, but I'd hate myself in the morning. Um. I said, I hope you listen to what we've told you. They said at the end of his testimony, he said, I hope you listen to what I've told you. Right. You know, I don't know. And, and it did him a lot of good. He didn't work for 30 years. We were poor ass. Well, you were born in 46, and he was blacklisted when? Oh, probably, oh, I don't know, 52. 50. Or, no, we, we, were, we were real poor growing up. I mean, yeah. You know, and then Zero hit it big on Broadway. I mean, you know, when he did Run Osiris and won Tony, and then he did uh, a funny thing, which was a riot. And then he did a, a fiddler, and then you know the producers, and then and then he was was rich and buying art and now, having what, a great what time. What I always wondered is like, how come they didn't use him? He was the definitive. Oh, that's a good story. Tempia. Oh, I think because Zero was a pain in the ass. That's <laughs> that's my belief. I remember I walked by. His, he was on the phone yelling at his agent, saying, "No, I want this, and tell them that, or they can go fuck themselves." And, I, and he's going on and on. And the next thing I heard. Topol was doing, oh. you know, uh, you know, and I think Zero was shocked. I, I don't think Zero believed that it could be done without him. And oh, I got a lot of stories about this. So anyway, Norman Jewison directs yeah. it, and and yeah, it was probably a smart thing to do because, you know, it wasn't Zero Mostel's uh, uh, Fiddler yeah. on the Roof. It was Norman Jewison's Fiddler on the Roof. You know, it it wasn't all about Zero. But um, anyway, Topol does it. So years later. Um, um, uh, uh, David Merrick, the notoriously mm-hmm. shitheadness uh, uh, <laughs> producer on Broadway, uh, wanted to do Baker's Wife, a musical based on the French trilogy that um, I think Marcel Pagnol was the, the lead. It was very brilliant. Um, tri- and Zero loved it. And Zero wanted to do it. And uh, they were going to do this musical. And... Um, Zero, Zero and David were fighting over terms and this and that and the other thing. And Zero was impossible and David's impossible and they don't do it. So we hired Tupple <laughs> to play the part. And That's it was funny. a total flop. That's and funny. Tupple couldn't have been worse for the part. He just did it to up yours, Zero. So, so then um, Zero was doing some movie that was never released in uh, – in, uh, in Mexico, and I went to visit him, right? And as soon as I got there, my agent called and said, they want you to audition for Jesus Christ Superstar. Norman Jewison will fly you to L.A. and blah, from Mexico to L.A. And when I was talking to my agent about this, Zero started screaming, tell him to hire Tupple, son! They're not leaving! That's great. <laughs> That's great. Now, can I totally put sure. you on the spot? Yeah, yeah, I can walk out too. Yes. 
<laughs> and ignore the sound of the and, ringing phone. And ask you if it's my agent. Tell them I'm, I'll, I'll get right back to. No, give it to me if it's my agent. Is it my agent? Oh, it's not my agent. Oh, wait, I don't have an agent. Oh, I, go on. Sorry. Can, can you sing at least two lines from King of the Jews? The King Herod song? Yeah. I can sing the whole thing. Oh, what are you please, kidding me? Please, please. Can we have... What? You want me to do yes, it? Yes, Without my orchestra? I don't care. Without my bevy of <laughs> <Yeah>. beauties? <laughs> I am just, such a terrible Just a singer. couple of lines, Josh. Okay. okay. Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you face to face. You are getting quite a name all around the place. Healing cripples, raising from the dead. Now I understand you're God. At least that's what you've said. I got a belch. <laughs> so, you are the Christ. Yes, the great Jesus Christ. Proved me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. That's all you need to do. Then I'll know it's all true. Come on, king of the Jews. Great. <laughs> enough? Terrific. Now I get Terrific. Thank you. I always like the line, uh, prove to me that you're no fool. Walk, Walk across, across my, my swimming, swimming pool. pool. Yes, maybe that was came there then. I don't know. I haven't done it in a while. And, and On request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When was the last time somebody asked you to sing a couple of bars of from Jesus Christ Superstar? No, uh, I don't I don't think anyone's ever done it before. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny watching you sing. Uh, it you could see you could definitely see your father in uh, that's what I've always movement. hoped for on stage yeah. that when I perform someone will see someone else yeah but uh, you know thank you I, I guess the now, part and, of and a Frank compliment and I, I'll thank you for yeah it. no it's a compliment it's a great no. great compliment oh thank you because uh, uh, Frank and I were discussing that your father gave you some acting tips. How do you know this stuff? What have you been following <laughs> we me? Do a little research. Yeah. Uh, well, he he always so said something about this a cough drop. Yeah, I know. I was getting there. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he 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 took me aside and said, "But before you go on stage, you must always suck on something red. <laughs> you know, because your tongue gets too white. And, and you know, the lessons from the masters. You know, suck on something red, and we'll all be successful." Not to go back to the blacklist, but I just want to point out, sure, too, that your, your dad's part in the front, which is just a, a, a wonderfully yes. a sad movie. I mean, and his part is Hecky Brown, which is basically he's playing somebody, I, I assume, based on himself, on his, uh, on his own life, or just an amalgam yeah, of, well, of different yeah, people. It was, it was a bunch of different people. Everybody yeah. in the movie had been blacklisted. Her, yeah, Herschel you know, Bernardi. I was in that movie? And, were uh, you? Yes, and they oh. cut me out completely. Oh, gee. Bastards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want... The other actors to be overshadowed. <laughs> no, uh, what happened was uh, Zero in the movie did his act. And uh, then right before he kills himself, he goes and sees another comedian doing his act. I was the other comedian stealing his act. But since they cut his act, they cut the guy stealing oh, his act. So uh, they just went right up to the window where he jumped out. It's a, it's a sweet, sad film. Yes, it and is. Herschel Bernardi and, and yes. uh, Walter Bernstein and Marty Ritt and everybody was blacklisted. Yes, my mother, my mother, when she saw it, uh, I, I found the most moving parts of it to be the years that the people were blacklisted. You know, you see a movie, when they talk about the real fa- people at the end, that's always sometimes the best part. But uh, when Herschel's name came out, because when was he blacklisted? No one ever heard of Herschel Bernard. He wasn't blacklisted back then. <laughs> 
Yeah. He said, blacklisted Johnny come lately. But that was my mother. She, she wanted credentials, you know. No one ever heard of Herschel Bernardi in 1954. And, and you worked with Robert Mitchum. Mm. Mm-hmm. He gave me a... Yes, I did. Yeah. I, well, I, my first job, I played Robert Mitchum's parole officer. And uh, they well, had me, uh, I, you know, never done a movie before, never done anything before. What was the name of the film, Joe? Uh, it was called uh, Going Home. Mm-hmm. Going Home, yeah. That's With Jan Michael you know, Vincent, be, right? Yeah, it might be Coming Home. You going Home, me. Going Home. Uh, going Home. Yeah. And um, so they say, all right, go, go down to, to uh, uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, and, uh, and here's the hotel, and take a bus, and we'll reimburse you. I get on the bus. I go into the hotel says, is there anything for Josh Mostel? And, he, you know, and they said, no. And I go, oh, geez, what if I'm working? I mean, I said, oh, well, where's the production office? Tell me where the production office is. You know, I was afraid I had to yeah, start working. Yeah. And I said, well, it's right on the boardwalk. It's really, I said, okay. And I walk to the boardwalk, and there's the production office. And I walk in, and there are about four teletype machines, and no one is in there. And I'm, I'm what is going on? I mean, I'm, and I go out on the boardwalk and I walk in and I see Robert Mitchum. And I walk up to Robert Mitchum and I go, Robert, hi, I, I'm Josh Marcel. I play your parole officer, Pirelli. And I just wondered, you know, I, I went to the production office and there's nothing, there's nothing in the hotel. And I wonder if he said, son, <laughs> let me tell you something, give you some advice. Go to a movie, go to a bar, do whatever you want. If they want you, they'll find you. I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I, I just de-stressed and went back to the hotel or whatever. And uh, years later, when I was doing City Slickers, I had a day off, and uh, we were in Santa Fe, and I called, uh, I called David Pamer, who played my brother. And I said, Dave, you want to go to the movies uh, in, in Albuquerque? He said, sure. He, we're both not working. So I said, okay. And I, we got in my car, and we drive down to Albuquerque. We never told anybody. We had a day off. And uh, we're watching this movie. I forget what it was. And suddenly there's a tap on my shoulder. And I said, yeah. And someone says, are you Josh Mostel? I said, uh-huh. I said, call the office. <laughs> they wanted me. They found me. Uh, no, apparently, uh, as I was driving off, uh, the officer said, you know, we're going to do that shot. We're going to need the boys. Does anybody have a 20 on them? And I said, well, I saw them driving south on the highway. <laughs> they must be going to a movie. Go to every movie theater and look for these two schmucks and bring them back. And they did. So Robert Mitchum was right. That's great. And yeah, i got to say one thing about Robert Mitchum. Um, you know, I, we, we did uh, his close-up first, and, uh, and he was very minimal, you know, not showing too much. And then they turned around and did my close-up. And his off st- I'm going to cry about this. His off-stage acting was the best acting I had ever seen in my life up to that point. He gave everything you could give another actor. That's pretty much... I would say it was better than his performance for the film was his performance for me. Trying to get anything out of this, like, newcomer to the business. No, he was quite a guy, I thought. Arrested for marijuana, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sure, famously. Famous. Yeah, yeah. And Jan Michael Vincent was the other was the other actor yes. in that film. Well, speaking of it was marijuana. a father and son, son story, wasn't it? With 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 Mitchum, wasn't he a, an ex con or? Yes, yeah. he had he had he had he had killed uh, Jan, his wife, Jan Michael Vincent's mother, right, and 
gets out of jail 20 years later when the movie starts and, and they have a, a bad time together. Now, now, Jan Michael Vincent, he seems like he started out as a handsome James Dean type actor. And now and he just sort of became known as just like drugs and drinking and craziness. Was any of that back then? I we I went to his uh, his hotel room and uh, it was the most dope I'd ever seen. It was like it was like it was like there was the whole there were like seven people there. Each of them had two joints passing him left and right and up and down, and nobody was up and nobody was down. But it wow. was and it wasn't even that good. The dope, I mean, but it was. I, I didn't feel stoned. I felt overwhelmed. By, like, Maybe it was just the lack of oxygen or something, you know. But it was it. It was something. Anyway, so um, back then, but he was nice too. He was, he was, I'm most people were have been nice. Mark Metcalf wasn't nice, Which, but other than that, oh, Mark Metcalf from Animal House. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, a yeah. Uh, yeah. Niedermeyer. Yeah, yeah. You, you he was did. just like his character. He was a real prick. Interesting. <laughs> but hey, Mark, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, anyway. The Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast Producer of the Month for August is Kate Jones. Thank you, Kate. Be just like Kate and get rewarded for supporting our podcast. Head over to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. For a small amount each month, you can get some colossal benefits, such as access to new podcast episodes before anyone else, exclusive video hangouts, shout-outs from me on Twitter. I will even read something that you send me, and it'll sound just like this. Go to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried that's Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried we thank you for your generosity and you worked with Art Carney mm. Art Art would uh, Art would do celebrity farts he would he would <laughs> Celebrity farts. farts. He would. He was an incredible mimic. I mean, he was an incredible clown. To <laughs> Did begin you know with. this I mean, about Art Carney? No, no. Oh well, you would say anybody, and he would imitate them saying a line, and then he would do their fart. So he hated Arthur Godfrey. By the way, he hated him. So he'd start off with he said, "The Lipton Tea people," and he'd do a little. Dribbly fart. He said he would have a dribble fart. And then he would do a, you'd say John Wayne. He said, oh, he would have a robust fart. He would go, he would go, you know, I think that we should all get together. Oh, I didn't mean to spit at you, Gilbert. Oh, he's wiping spit off and laughing and everything. It's terrible here. Someone get the man a towel. So wow. he would do celebrity farts. He, and he was, but he would do, Precise and great <laughs> imitations of the people, and God knows if the farts were accurate. And but I, 
I don't know. He was a talent. He was he was quite a and and did you remember him in the honeymoons when he would try to sign a contract? Of course, oh, yeah. he would do all that whole the best yeah. clowning. Oh, yeah. ever. You yeah, know? yeah, wonderful yeah. stuff. They were a wonderful comic team. Yes, him and Gleason, and that's yes. early in your career too. I mean, you're still a newbie actor, and you're working with Art Carney and Paul Mazursky. Yeah, that was the the third movie I did, a fourth movie. Harry I did, and Tonto, right which we Jesus did, Christ we, we should say. Yeah, that was fun, and you know, just. A little word of advice for all you actors out there: Never improvise, nude, improvise nude scenes. Because I, <laughs> I, you know, I, we were driving along. It was Art Carney's double and me and Melanie Mayron, and and the, the rest of the the rest of the cast was taking the highway from like uh, this, from the Grand Canyon to Sedona, Arizona. And a beautiful country. And we're taking all bat roads and getting shots. And, and I said to Melanie, maybe I should give him a pressed ham here, you know? And she said, okay. <laughs> don't look. And I pulled down my pants and pressed my not quite big, pink, beautiful ass. Yeah. But uh, pressed, pressed my butt against the thing. And I hear over the, the radio, do it again, do it again. And I do it again, you know. And I, ha, ha, funny, funny. And then we, we get, no, we get to the Grand Canyon. And we get to the Grand Canyon. And Paul... Um, who was in the in the in the camera car behind me? Said, "Oh, that was great." I said, "What? You shot it? You you shot?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, how did it look?" I said, "Oh, it was big, and there was a pimple and a, a brown stain, and looked terrible." He said, "Well, you, you're not going to use it if it looked bad, are you?" He said, "Oh, I think I'm going to have it on the poster." And you know, and I, I, I just I just felt so terrible. I said, oh no! Said, oh, yeah. Don't just suddenly take your pants off, you know, just especially if there's a camera around, especially if you're making minimum, you know, there are all these rules, but I don't know. It was fun. You work with some great directors, Josh. Yes, Paul I have. Paul Mazursky, you just yes, talked to about was, Norman Jewison. I love Paul. Yeah, we're fans. Gilbert yeah, and I are big I, Mazursky fans. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did a very inappropriate thing with him. It's like right when we were in uh, – I know you're shocked. You yes. <laughs> see the shock already. But we were, we were, um, we were in the Grand Canyon right after this, this thing with exposing my button, being informed that it might be the poster, which was a, a lie. Uh, and he was sitting with all the bigwigs, and I was sitting with Melanie Mayron, who I had a crush on. And um, – I was carrying the the pie up a, 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 a little pie, you know, some sort of I forget the kind of pie it was, a lemon meringue. No, I don't. I was carrying a lemon meringue pie back to the table, and Paul made some joke. Look, our poster boy, or something. And I said, Hey, Paul, did you ever see this old joke? And he said, What? And I hit him in the face with a pie in front of all the other direct, you know, the assistant directors and the, all the producers and, the, you know, the, the table, the, the power table. And he was furious. He was, he wiped the pie out of his That goes beyond humor. And I went, oh, shit. And, um, and I was right. Oh, yeah, shit yeah. was yes. the, the, the word of the day. And the casting director, um, oh, some famous Hollywood casting director, she'd used me in like three movies, uh, Consecutively, and I never auditioned for her again. Lynn Chenoweth or something? No. Oh, Ellen, yeah, Ellen, yeah. Ellen Chenoweth. Is that right? Is that something? I like think that? so. I forget. I the casting so. director of uh, Harry and Tonto. We'll, we'll have our staff look it up. Okay. I think it's Ellen. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, she had her own casting. But anyway, she moved to. Yes. 
Ellen Chenoweth. Ellen Chenoweth. And, I, and I never auditioned for her again. But Paul and I would, you know, got, Paul got over it. I mean, we played cards after that, but... Uh, but she didn't. <laughs> I guess she didn't want to hire actors that assaulted the director. Uh, but you know, it takes all kinds in show business, doesn't it? And Jewison, we talked about, but you also worked for uh, Frank Perry, Alan Pakula. Frank Perry, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone, Bob Fosse. Yes, yes. Bob Fosse was was quite a director. I mean, he could uh, he would actually cut because the camera wasn't moving fast enough. He, he knew what he knew what he was doing. I mean, he was he was very on top of things, you know, very very controlling. He was a choreographer, sure, you know? but he 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 was good. I think he really uh, and, and he would uh, he had no pity. I mean, he would he would he would run he would run you ragged, but you worked very hard. I mean, that the whole part I did in two days in Star Eighty you know, in Star Eighty, yeah. yeah. And and one movie where you had your name above the title, um, yeah, whether you wanted it or not, right? It's actually two, but go on. Okay, Stooge Mania. Ah, uh, Stooge Mania. Well, I haven't finished watching it yet. <laughs> the, the problem was, I I saw the beginning. Oh, Larry. And it was so bad. Someone. Asked if I, they could borrow my copy, and I said sure. And that was like 22 years ago. And I, <laughs> you it, played a, a guy obsessed with the three, the three Stooges. Yeah. Doesn't he see the three? Doesn't he having like hallucinations of seeing the three Stooges in his in his or, in his normal life? I Wasn't that? Yes, that's what they, <laughs> they were driving for. Don't don't forget, I never saw that. That's the movie. right. You never I saw read it. the script. So and, you basically knew what you were doing when you were doing it. The check cleared. I knew what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you knew this. This was not the next Citizen Kane when you. Oh, were I didn't yeah. think it was. No. Uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't know how it would turn out, but it turned out hateful. I, <laughs> I mean, it starts off with with urinating and stuff. I mean, it's just not. I don't know. I. I but not, you got to work with Sid Caesar. Yes, I did. And Which is a uh, sad thing that that Sid Caesar would wind up in Stooge Working with me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well I, I, I resent that remark. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought um, he – I think he probably had some drug problems in his life. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was not taking drugs then. And uh, we, were, we were sitting together and uh, he would go, you know – if you do it and it's bad for you, don't do it. <laughs> you know, if it's making your life miserable, stop it. And, you know, he was, he was like giving these Profound. lessons from his life, you know. It wasn't Mousy Garner in Stooge Mania who had also worked with the with who? Mousy Garner. It was this, was a vaudevillian actor who had who had worked with Ted Healy in his original Stooges. Does the name ring a bell? He was uh, in Stooge it Mania. Does not, but maybe I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is also possible. Oh God! Um, what, yeah. was, what was the other movie that I you love had it. your name? Above oh, the it title. was called Windy City, which uh, which is a tear which is actually a comedy about me dying. I suppose. No, it was starring John Shane, Kate Capshaw, and me. So I was above the title. Oh, oh I like that picture. It's sort of a sort of a big chill kind of a thing. Uh, Ar- Army and Bernstein make that yes, movie. Yes, you're yeah, right. I know that picture. It's a good film. <laughs> not not according to anyone who's else, but. Uh, <laughs> 
Okay. No, I we they they opened the film. What was that sound you just made? They opened the film in Chicago. Right. And I looked at the grosses in variety and I saw how many theaters there were and I divided by the ticket prices. It I I calculated that 11 people per showing came to that. <laughs> In Windy City, the, the, the local support that they counted on did not show up. No, it was not a very big hit. Uh, some people love that movie. Yeah, I remember seeing it when it came it. out. My look, I went to a screening of that with a friend uh, uh, named Larry Price and my mother named Kate Mostel, and we took a cab home afterwards. And uh, Larry said, "What was the budget on that?" I said, "I think it was about eleven million or something like that." And they went. God, can you imagine spending money on stuff like that? And my mother says, yeah, it gets me furious. That, and they start yelling that people would spend money making that movie. <laughs> I was the star of it. You know, it's like, you know, talk about home. Uh, yeah, these, I don't know, a life in show business. But anyway, they, it, it, it was not a big hit. Although I was recognized in Buenos Aires by a guy. No, a guy oh, said, really? oh, my God, el, el hombre de el ciudad de vende en, en mi casa. And he, was, he gave me a free poster, and he was so moved. And so uh, there are a couple people that love that movie. I but. think it's a film worth seeing. I had good memories well, of it. Well, bless you. Yeah, it was, I, it was I, the 80s, wasn't it? Huh? It was the 80s. When it came out, Windy City. It was the 80s. The 80s. Yeah. We'll have our yeah, team, we'll have our team it, look it, it up. It's the 80s. I remember yes. liking it. I'm going the 80s. And okay, well, thank you. You worked with someone who also worked with your father. A lot of people. And, uh, yeah. Um, and this one it was George Siegel. Oh, yeah, yeah. He owes me money, by the way. He does. George Siegel yeah. owes you money. <laughs> okay. A little bit. Tell how, how does he owe you money? Drug deal. <laughs> but, but let's move on. <laughs> You did a series with George Segal called Murphy's Law. I did. I did a series called Murphy's Law. And let me tell you, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. We'd love to get him on the show, George Segal. Oh, yeah. He's he's nice. He's funny, too. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we we worked on it. It was was not appreciated, the the series. And your dad did the hot rock with him. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert and I were talking about how much we liked Zero in that movie. Oh, yeah? The Hot Rock? Uh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. What, what I remember about the Hot Rock is I lived in Crown Heights at the time. I was a kid in Crown Heights, and they were filming it at the Brooklyn Museum. And I would go there every night with my sisters to watch them film that. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> well, it's one of those movies like the ones we talk about where you see old New York. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And, and Ron Liebman and Siegel and... Uh, and Paul Sands. And, right, and... Seth uh, Allen. Yeah. And I think Moses Your buddy, Gunn. Moses Gunn. Yes, your favorite actor. Yes. <laughs> Gilbert loves Moses Gunn. Really? Yes. <laughs> cool. And since we talked about this is something else that that Gilbert and I are fond of. Since we talked about uh, Delta House, uh, a, a failed series, <laughs> we have, one of many. We have to ask you about you're at the top with two oh with my God, two yeah. of our other yes. podcast guests, Greg I, Evigan and Paul Schaefer. Yes, they 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 
they they had it on TV, and but they had been fired by that time. I had well, you were in the music video. I did video. the pilot. I did yeah. the pilot, and yeah. then uh, and then they they wised up and replaced me with uh, I don't know because an, an, an anatomic cat or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what, but uh, we were watching I was out of the sketch. Uh, we had Greg Evigan on the show. Musical scenes then. Yeah. Greg Evigan is. Uh, you know, he's singing. He's the handsome. Well, he's yeah. on the drums, and Josh yeah. is playing the. And and and, and Don Scardino was the Don boy. Scardino. Oh yes, right, right. Yes. director now. Yeah. And Paul Schaefer is he's there in like very funny. Yeah, he's there in a tight rubber suit. Well, you know, Paul. Yeah. I mean, he's funny, yeah. but he's a little strange. But it was, Long a, hair it, it was his Elton and, John and El- face. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the Elton John glasses. <laughs> And you were playing the fiddle. I mean, we were doing the research yes, for Greg Evigan, and you fiddle. turned up. I do play the violin. Yeah. In fact, in uh, Harry and Tonto, I have a little violin playing going on. If you want to rent that, you can see me play the violin. There's a music video of you and Greg and Paul and oh, yeah. Scardino doing a song huh. from, from You're at the Top. It's, yeah. it's just surreal. It, it's worth watching. Really? For, oh, well, for the go. wrong reasons, me. <laughs> oh, well, I, that, that's... That's why I got in the business. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a great story uh, about the violin. I think it's a great story. Um, I knew a little funny thing. It's the thing I do in, in Harry and Tonto where I play... Uh, um, and then you do a left-hand pizzicato while you twirl your bow. Bum, bum, the weasel, you know. And it's very funny to look at because you're making sound while you're not playing the violin, mm-hmm. it seems. And uh, I was in the New York Youth Symphony Orchestra when I was in high school. And uh, it, in Carnegie Hall, we had a concert, and the soloist was Itzhak Perlman. And I wasn't a great violinist, but I was good enough to be able to recognize genius. And uh, I loved him, and he played so well. And I was sitting right next to him. I was in the first stand of the seconds. And uh, at one point, I woke to him and said, Itzhak, um, my name's Josh Mostel, and let me show you something. If you ever go on Johnny Carson, this is a great thing to do. And I did. And I did this funny little left-handed uh, pits thing. And he laughed. And said, oh, that's fine. I said, use it. Do whatever you want. It's yours now. And uh, he did it on Johnny Carson. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's my claim to musical fame. <laughs> yeah, other than the year at the top thing, but... You should check out the video. Are, are you writing writing things? You, these just, people you're going to apologize to? Yeah, I'm going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, they, Bruno Gertie. I'm going to apologize to you about. Yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit about Bruno because Gilbert and I well, enjoyed uh, him. Loved he, him in the he freshman. Was very and, sweet. He was. His father was a. Um, oh, oh, Bruce Kirby's his father, right? Who's also an actor. Do I have that right? I know all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was an actor, but he was also a maitre d. That I, I didn't think know. A maitre d. It, it, Somewhere, I mean, he Bruno had sort of a, a maitre d personality in some ways that I think he got from his father. Like if you went to his house, he was very solicitous. He would always help you. Can I get you anything? It was very, very nice like that. Um, he, he was just a, a sweet guy. But I was, I was there when he and he and um, um, Billy Crystal. He got furious at Billy. He never, never yelled at him, but he wouldn't do the sequel because because uh, Billy insulted him. Oh, you know what? What did he say? You know something? Uh, it was a little scene, and uh, Bruno had a line. And before he said the line, he very carefully wiped his mouth and then said the line. And I think Billy went <laughs> pretended to yawn, Ooh. like off camera or something like that, or, or described it and. Uh, Bruno was 
I mean, he never, he never reacted. He was a real gentleman, Bruno. He never reacted, but he never, he turned out a million dollars for the sequel. Wow. He wouldn't do it. On principle. How about yeah, that? Yeah, he didn't want to, he didn't want and he was best friends with Billy before that. Well, there he is, and Harry met yeah. Sally, too. Yeah. That, well, then they worked together. Yeah. Right. And he was the young Clemenza in the Godfather sequel, which people forget. Yes, yes. And you worked with Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sophie's Choice. I don't think she looked at me once in that. (laughs) But, you know, her character wouldn't. I mean, Meryl's... Of course. Meryl's not the kind of... Well, I'll tell you a great story about Meryl. God, I'm giving away all my secrets. (laughs) I want to save a little something for someone somewhere. But I'll tell you this story. Um, There was a scene in uh, Sophie's Choice uh, where... um, where Sophie and uh, Nathan, I think his name is, are having a big fight. Nathan is, of course, you know, uh, has mental problems, and you know. Anyway, they, they all day we they were they were rehearsing in stage combat, and you know, they said it's a big violent scene. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna block it out, and they were gonna shoot. We were inside. They were going to start inside the house and run out in the street. And they just put a camera in the street and lit up the street in Brooklyn. And they were just going to shoot it in the master and and shoot it on the street. This this yelling and screaming scene about. It. He calls her a cunt and throws money at her and runs off. And then Stingo comes up to me and says, "What happened?" I go, "He's Meshuggah. Oh, he threw money at her and called her a cunt." You know, and the same thing that happened. I repeat, and it was ultimately cut out of the movie. But uh, but anyway, the big violent scene and so it started with Stingo outside um, uh, Meryl Streep and Kevin Klein inside and me inside and all the crew was outside and um, and they, they go alright we got light we got speed and, and right before they call action Meryl turns around and hits Kevin Klein in the face whap and Kevin he, 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 he closes and then she runs out the door and he ah, runs after her, you know. But it's like um, she just hit him. She wanted a little reaction from him, and I, I, I'm not sure she even got it. But uh, wow. But but you know, she's. Uh, I would say she's a killer, not maybe <laughs> literally, but uh, you know, something she's going to be good. And if, <laughs> I think she's got and potential. If not, and if you're not on the program, you better get on it. You think she's you going know, she's places? A, she's a smart. Tough cookie, I would think. Meryl. That, that's my Meryl story. Meryl hitting Kevin. Any, anybody else you want to know about? Well, I want to ask you about Radio Days, which is a film that I love okay. very, very much. And you were hilarious as un- Uncle Thank Abe, uncle the fish-obsessed uncle. The fish-obsessed uncle. Uh, the one th- the thing I... Mu- oh, I got it. Show business is hard. Uh, I, I remember. <laughs> Do you feel that way about this show? <laughs> no, this is pretty easy. Okay, so good. I'm, t- I'm talking. I can talk. Uh, but, we appreciate um, it. They were having. Uh, uh, let's see. How do, I, how do we tell this? Uh, uh, what am I talking about? Oh, a rated <laughs> Uncle Abe. Um, Uncle. So there, there was a scene where uh, I go off, and I, I. The neighbors are making a lot of noise on uh, on a holy day on Yom Kippur, and, you know, you're not supposed to play the radio, and they're playing the radio, and I go over there to yell at them and say, you know, put it, uh, and I come back, and I'm a communist. Uh, 
you know, like that. My, they seduced me with apple pie or cherry pie, and it's, it's you know, and I, 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 why are we being quiet? It's them. It's the, you know, and it's, it's, it's a very funny scene, and uh, we were doing take after take after take, and I would kind of, what do you go? All right, just try to do the lines as fast as you can. I had a lot of lines, and I would do them and do them 18, 20, 22 takes, and then finally we, we finish it, and uh, the, 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 um, the the person the uh, the the coordinator who you know the script supervisor yeah. that's the word the script supervisor says uh, do you want us to print any of the last four takes he goes no <laughs> and you know I feel terrible I mean I just felt like I like I had let him down and let wasn't any good and and he never said anything uh, you know he's not a very verbal kind of guy in a lot of ways but um, I I think he just didn't like his writing. But, you know, you're an actor. You feel everything's about you. So, sure. I, you know, I, I kept thinking before taking, I don't have to do this for a living. I don't <laughs> have to do this for a living. You know, but uh, apparently I do. <laughs> uh, but anyway. I, I love the Edgar Bergen thing. He's a ventriloquist on the radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you know his lips yeah. not? He's not yeah. moving his lips. And, and that, was, that was an interesting thing because uh, the script, which I never saw, of course, but uh, apparently the beginning of the movie, it starts with a great joke when people are, are, are robbing a house and they steal all the furniture yeah. but a phone call comes and it's yeah. a quiz show. Yeah, it's great. And they answer the question and, they, and these people come home and all their furniture is stolen and a day later all new furniture comes. <laughs> right, that's great. <laughs> quiz show. You know, and that originally I think was on page 80. You know, and the the opening of the movie apparently uh, I hear from secondhand uh, was a, a foggy day when they they spot a sub off of Coney Island, and they never got the foggy day, and they uh, so he just takes another thing from the middle and puts it in the beginning. He, you I mean, you a, never saw the complete script. He would only give the actors their their sides. I think they're special actors that uh-huh. get the whole script, but uh-huh. the unspecial actors like I'm raising my hand for those of you. <laughs> the radio uh we just got our sides well the game show comes back later because diane weiss shows up on the game show and she she stumbles onto the fish category and she knows everything you remember this in the movie and she knows everything about fish oh it's just such oh it's just such a terrific movie Uh, yeah that 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 was a nice one Uh, no folks see radio days if you haven't seen it it's just see everything terrific everything and our pal danny aiello is funny in that (laughs) we had danny on the show too danny aiello oh who's funny in that yeah it's a, it's a very sad ending. I mean, that film moves me because it's really yeah. about it's about a dying art. It's about radio going away. It's dying radio. <laughs> what, the, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. This is not radio. Where are the cameras? I keep wondering. Um, yeah. There's that there great bit at the end, the dialogue, where he says every, with every passing New Year's Eve, their voices get dimmer yeah. and dimmer. I, I remember, you know, we just had the sides and, and you know, and... Uh, and uh, uh, who played my wife? Oh gosh, Rain? is it was it Wendy Jo Sperber? No, no, who I'm thinking of? It was she was great. Oh, she's funny. Yeah, she I can't is. think of her name. And anyway, well, uh, we're googling it. We were just we were talking, and uh, you know, we're saying, well, how should we do this? Said, well, let's use this Long Island accent. I mean, they're the Jews from Long Island, you know. So we have this Brooklyn accent we were doing, and uh, the first time we ran through it, Woody says, "So let's not you run through it?" And and we do it with this. Brooklyn accent, and Woody says, are you going to do that? <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, not now. <laughs> no, no. So we did not use any kind of discernible accent. Uh, but it, it's funny. I think he's not the kind of person that would tell you to, to not 
to give notes and say, don't do it like that. He's the kind of person that would just fire you and get someone that did it the way you'd like it. But uh, he certainly didn't like our first run through. I, I heard that Woody is the kind of director that'll hire an actor like a lead actor and somewhere in the middle of the movie, just get rid of him. That he's not- Well, he's done that a bunch of yeah. times, I think. I, I think it's because he doesn't... He doesn't want to really get into a thing where I tell you what to do. And he doesn't want to have negotiate maybe yeah. with an actor like like most directors do. You know, uh, he just says it's not working. We'll do it. You know, I th- I think he looks for someone to to bring it all to the project. But I, I really don't know. But he was a certainly a talented guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, was it Renee Lippin? Oh yeah, Rini, Rini, Rini Lippin. Rini. Yeah, yes, Rini. Yeah, I apologized. Uh, no, I, I apologized. think she was Wendy Joe Sperber. Well, I should have known her name. I mean, you know, one of my favorite wives. It's a terrific film, and the cast is just... It's actually the only Woody Allen film that has both Mia Farrow and Diane Keaton in it. So it's notable for that. Really? Yeah. And Julie Kavner. Julie Kavner's great. Michael Tucker's the great. Simpsons. All your, yeah. 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 Every, all, all nine yards. I love that picture. Oh, thank you. Gilbert? I guess, Gilbert? I guess we'll just do a quick... Uh, see if there's anyone people left out. God. Oh, I just remembered something. What? I did a voiceover for this commercial for ESPN with the dogs playing cards. And I didn't work with him, but one of the other voices was Art Carney. Oh, really? Another dog. And that, and now you, you just stirred something in my head that... This woman who was doing the recording, or the recording people there were going, that he was doing like, during the thing, like a a bride on her honeymoon farting. Yeah! There you go. It's all coming back. There you go. And... and can you imitate the fart? Oh, it would be be very dainty. And it would be hidden. It would be, you know, that you could, it would be like... uh, a, a minuscule fart, can, a minimalist can, can fart. Can I give you some actors and you see if you can imitate their farts? Oh, I hate, I hate stealing another actor's routine. Yeah, but okay. yeah go ahead, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> you know, a masculine fart. With I don't lisp. care. I'm just going to fart. <laughs> Vincent Price. <laughs> it, it sounded a little like an elk. Wouldn't it? Like a, you know, like body dum, body dum, body da 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 da. You know, something like that. You know, a, a clarion call to arms, perhaps something like that. Uh, Brando, Brando. Yeah, uh, it'd be a grunt fart. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you think it's over, <laughs> it, it kind of wouldn't end. You know, I think it would be a. It would, it would be a, a repeater. They're called repeaters in the, in the... Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Well, he had those ears. I think if he really farted, his ears would flap. You know, plappity, 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 plappity. Maybe he would have a plappity fart. I mean, I'm just guessing here, you know. Uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I mean, he, he would have a method fart. I, he, it depended what part he would play, and the man would fart in character. Right. You know... Dustin would probably crap his pants, too, but he is really method. But. Now, wait a minute. Speaking of Dustin. Oh, what? Is, I mentioned Dustin? Yeah. Here's something. Was uh, he, Gilbert and I were talking. Was he, this is a, this is a, 
was he originally cast uh, as the, this is about your dad's film about the producers? Was he originally cast as the playwright in the Kenneth Mars role? Because that's what we heard. I don't know. And left to do the graduate. <laughs> well, I don't know. No. <laughs> if he did, he made the right choice. <laughs> uh, no, I have no idea about that. Okay. More okay. importantly, More. Meryl Streep farting. <laughs> I would, wouldn't, wouldn't she have someone to do that for her? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I've lived with women for decades and haven't heard them fart. Somewhere. You know, some people just, and whereas, oh, I'll tell you a good fart story. Uh, <laughs> okay. Someone said to uh, my mother, said, Katie, uh, do, you, do you sleep late? She said, oh, no, I'm up with a seven o'clock fart. <laughs> You know, because Zero had, uh, Zero's farts were, they were, they were, you know, bull, bull moose farts, I would say. Very similar to Teddy Roosevelt. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah. bull moose farts. Really? You know, yeah, it would sound like a seven o'clock fart. It was like the the whole neighborhood would get up and, you know, anyway, that was mom. Mel Gibson farting. Mel Gibson Well, that's an anti-Semitic kind of a. Yeah, I was was wondering. I, I, I don't know about me. <laughs> Fart with a Nazi haven't we, salute. Haven't we done farting yet? <laughs> we're not done farting. No, we're okay. Done. How about your fart? Describe your fart. What's your fart like? Uh, your fart. Your fart with a little staccato. <laughs> little little staccato farts, don't you think? Hilarious. <laughs> I'm out of questions. You're out of questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have 14 answers to go. So just I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. Whatever you want. I'm. 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 At, I'm your. I'm your. I'm your farting servant. <laughs> I was going to ask you a lot of obscure stuff, but that's probably a better way to close. <laughs> While we're on it, uh, Robert Mitchum farting. Well, gosh, I don't know what Robert Mitchum. <laughs> I think it would be. You know, it would be short. Yeah, like, you know, I'm not interested in farting, son. You know, if you want one, there it is. You know. This program brought to you by Heinz Beans. That for, if you have... Oh, Lord. Oh. Very funny. Well, well Brian Koppelman was right. He was? He told us, you got to get Josh on the show, and here you are, ah. and you delivered. Oh, well, God. <laughs> Brian, baby. <laughs> Does Brian owe you something, you told us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my book, Get It Back, I, uh, an Amarillo Slim book. I, you know, he's a card player. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, we well, saw Rounders, yeah. which you were in. Yes, I was. We had a whole bunch of weird stuff, but we'll do it another time. Okay. On a second show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh okay. Do <laughs> you want to wrap the show as me? Wrap the show as you? How do you wrap the show? I've okay. never heard it. Hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey. Hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. And you're not. So why don't we? Why don't you stay? Listen, just listen next week because it's even going to be funnier. We, we've got a guy who who doesn't imitate farts. He actually farts. So and you won't be able to smell it because it's radio. And we haven't even thought of how to make the, the fart smells go over the airwaves. <laughs> That'll be good. I love it. It's Gilbert by way of young Jerry Lewis. (laughs) That's great.
Oh, well. Funny. Well, I guess that's pretty much it. Anyway. <laughs> we've, we've covered it all? Yeah. Okay. I want you to know my wife's favorite movie line is scoop of vanilla, scoop of chocolate. Don't waste my time. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for People saying People ask it. me all the time. Do they? Yeah. yeah. What, what goes with this? Ask the writers. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm just a mere actor. Bobaloo right? and... Uh, yeah. yeah. That was a good script. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff, Josh. Well, Thank you. Thank out. you for well, doing it. I'm Gilbert Gottfried and Frank Santos. <laughs> oh, no! I'm Gilbert Gottfried! <laughs> you knew he was going to do that. I am! <laughs> Not that guy laughing! <laughs> can, can you say, and we've been talking to Zero Must. We've been talking to. <laughs> Not now, talking. I can't. The son of Zero. <laughs> Way to go, Gilbert. You really <laughs> fucked that one up. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and we've been talking to Josh Mostel, who's sitting on two seats next to me. Uh, and thank you very much, Josh. Oh, you're welcome, Gilbert. Okay, come back. And by the way, we have an honorarium of $12,000 for you. Oh, that's very generous, Gilbert. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. 12000 yeah, I could oh, dream. Wow. Can I? Yeah, really. I could dream. <laughs> Thank you, Josh Mostel. This was a, this was fun. I, I can't stop that. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Foscam. Do you want a cheaper alternative to an expensive and hard to set up security system for your home? Then the new Foscam C1 indoor Wi-Fi security camera is a cheap and reliable solution for indoor surveillance of your home or office. To learn more, go to www.foscam.us slash C1, where you'll be directed to our Amazon page. And for a limited time, use the code GILCAST, that's G-I-L-C-A-S-T-1, to get $10 off. You love that, too. Yes. Per camera. Again, the website is F-O-S-C-A-M dot U-S slash the letter C and the number one. Foscam. Watch what you love anyway. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. 
Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.